Let me add my welcome to you to this online service for Chichester Baptist Church. Over the past few weeks and continuing on, we're in a series called Forward because we believe that as Christians, while we're all affected by the pressures of the global pandemic and the sense that certain parts of life have almost come to a standstill, we also believe that in faith we look forward and we believe that God can help us as we move forward even under the current circumstances. And so it's with this in mind that today's theme is the word resilience, which is a bit of a buzzword uh, in today's uh, culture. But we believe that the Bible actually has some Christian or biblical perspectives on this. And we think that we can apply those and, and allow those to help us join uh, in our, our, our faith to the daily living that we encounter at the moment and at any stage in our lives. So this word resilience what does it mean? Well, dictionary definitions give us a couple of ideas. First of all, it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's toughness. Uh, and then in terms of materials, and um, the ability of a substance or an object to spring back into shape. Now, nylon's a good example of this. Uh, for example, uh, on my boat, my or part of my anchor, rope or warp, is nylon because it's got a springiness there, which means that it will stretch a bit if there's a bit of a pull on it, but then it will spring back into shape. But you'll see on the slide that the other thing that really we want to focus on, I suppose, is something of the psychological resilience, the ability to mentally or emotionally cope with a crisis or return to that pre-crisis state. But we want to take it further because we believe it's more than the physical or the emotional resilience. We believe that there is absolutely a, a spiritual involvement here, a God involvement that we want to talk about. So it's within this capacity, looking ahead, that we might just want to define resilience in other ways as well. So, for example, um, without wishing to plug what I do, one of the courses that I have available talks about resilience factors and it's helping businesses uh, and their staff and it talks about factors like connections, self-awareness, self-regulation and so on and so forth. So it is definitely uh, that that inward at the moment but we think that we have got something that predates uh, that word to share with you. And the chief operating officer of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, has been quoted as saying this, you are not born with a fixed amount of resilience. Like a muscle, you can build it up, draw on it when you need it. And in that process, you will figure out who you really are and you might become the best version of yourself. I like that idea of it being like a muscle because it's true of resilience in any form whether it's physical or mental or spiritual there is this element with practice we become better at it and so it's with that in mind that we want to really think about that definition we've just looked at uh, and say well what's missing and what's missing from the definitions we've seen just now is I think that an end goal is missing, uh, a God-centered end goal. And also we're missing a spiritual dimension to this. Well, James chapter 1 and verse 1 
reads like this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So who is he writing to? Well, very simply, he was writing to a group of Christians from a Jewish background. And you can go back to Acts chapter 7 and see that even at that stage, the Christians had been pushed out from their homes in Jerusalem and the area under persecution, and so they'd been scattered. Now, it's difficult to know where they are or where they were as he was writing. And so while I love maps, and and some of you will be aware of that, I thought maybe it would be appropriate to have what I could call a a none map and show you where they weren't. We don't know where they were. But as he wrote to them, one of the earlier uh, letters of the New Testament, we suspect that they weren't generally in those areas. They were scattered away in places where they would not feel as comfortable, where they might be subject to persecution, uh, to all kinds of uh, all the senses that an exile might feel when they're no longer in their own land, they're no longer in their own home and they can't easily go back. Well, James uses the word perseverance as a positive outcome from trials. He's going to tell us that growing in perseverance results in Christian maturity. So in verses 2 to 4, he says this to them, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That word perseverance, it's a spiritual form of resilience that he's talking about. Now, there's an end goal there. The end goal is maturity. Maturity seems to be really important to, to Christian writers in the New Testament. So not only do we have James writing here about maturity, being mature and complete in our faith, not lacking anything, but we find that other writers include something of maturity. For example, Paul. Paul writes this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in your evil, but in your thinking, be mature. He writes to the Philippians, and this is something that Roger touched on as he started this series a few weeks ago. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, that, that sort of pushing forward, looking forward, pushing on. And his, his goal, as he writes to the Ephesians, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of Christ. And he writes of Epaphras, who is praying for the Colossian Christians, uh, that they may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And then the writer to the Hebrews, we're not sure who this writer is. This writer says, um, solid food. That is the deeper truth of the Christian faith is for the mature. That is understanding that the word, the difficult bits of the Bible, well, they are for people who are mature in their faith because they can handle that spiritual food. And then he also writes 
to them, encouraging them. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. So that should be our goal. And if perseverance or spiritual resilience enables us to get there, then it's something I think that should be attractive to us, even though it might at times be uncomfortable. Last week, just as I, my thoughts were turning to this passage, uh, a friend uh, from many years ago on Facebook wrote this. She said, on this date, two years ago, my parked car was hit by an oncoming car which couldn't stop on the slippery road. Thankfully, that driver was not hurt, but my injuries included four cracked ribs and my right femur was shoved up into my hip. After major surgery at the Albany Medical Center and three to five months of physical therapy and occupational therapy at a rehab facility, I was able to go back to my apartment. She goes on to say physically that whole experience was the most painful so far in my life. But spiritually, the Lord used this whole time of recovery to fine-tune my walk with him. I am thankful to all of the folks who are part of my recovery, although I still need to be careful not to fall. I can now manoeuvre in all of my daily activities without a stick. And now that I'm retired from the workplace, I have more time to meet folks in the lovely town. God has been too good to me. Thank you for praying for me over the years. That strikes me as someone who has gone through trials with perseverance and is a long way toward maturity. So what are these trials that James talks about? Well, trials in this instance are a testing of our faith from the outside. He'll go on later to talk about temptation, which is the internal trials we struggle with. But this is about things that we can't control. It might relate to our health. It might relate to criminal activity that affects us. It might be uh, the bad weather. It might be global pandemics. It might be all of the things that come from life in general uh, with the pressures of family or friends or neighbours. Uh, difficulties in our workplace, any number of these things, yes, even homeschooling, all of them can be regarded as trials in the context of what James is talking about. Now, sometimes these trials seem to come at us just so rapidly, and so many of them, that there are times in our life when we just feel a little bit overwhelmed. One of the scenes that, that came to my mind was some of the original Star Wars film, that, that great leap in terms of uh, special effects. And I remember seeing it at the uh, cinema in uh, Leicester Square when it first came out. And, and this is a scene where the TIE fighters are attacking uh, the Luke Skywalker and his colleagues as they try uh, and get away uh, to where they need to get to. Let's have a look. Do you ever feel like your life's a bit like that? Just things coming at you in large quantities, too rapidly, and, and it's almost too much to be able to deal with all at once. Well, when James writes to these Christians who he knows have been going through all kinds of trials, he tells them, choose to count them as joy. 
joy that is full and complete. Now the reality is that we really do consider them joy as they come upon us. You know, we might groan, we might um, feel massively stressed, we might whinge or complain. But I think the mature approach, the Christian approach, is to say, well, let me reflect on what's happening and change my approach. Let me think back to Acts chapter 5, where the apostles had been called before the Jewish religious council, the Sanhedrin, uh, and had been badly treated, beaten, and they were then released. And as they left, in verse 41 of chapter 5 in Acts, we find the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You see, that's rejoicing in trials, isn't it? So in a life full of trials, let's continue to trust God, because in doing that, our faith muscle develops the ability to stand against difficulty and to stand against opposition. And the result of this is spiritual stamina. It's a spiritual resilience. So if you're feeling that your life is one full of trials at the moment, then don't discount them. Don't just retreat into a shell and, and wait for 2022. You can still be hurt. You can still feel the pain physically. You can still feel the pain mentally. But count it as joy and then look forward to being able to look back look forward to that time when you'll be able to look back on what's happening now not with war stories to tell your grandchildren but to look back on how God used this time to develop your spiritual muscle of perseverance resilience and help you grow in maturity. In fact, do you remember Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians that it was because of the things that he'd been through that he was better able to identify with and support other believers who were now going through similar things. And as you develop a God-centered resilience, you and I will take steps, we'll even take strides towards maturity as a Christian. So by all means, develop physical resilience, build up your muscles, carry on behaving so that you have emotional resilience during difficult times, but subject all of those to the spiritual resilience that comes with perseverance by counting your trials as joy, and that will lead you to the sort of maturity that God wants from us, maturity that sees him at work in every part of our life, that helps us to respond in a, a Christ-like way to different circumstances, that gives us the wisdom and experience to be able to say to others, well, 
God's helped me in this way in the past, or the Bible says this is what he'll, uh, what he'll do for you, and let's use that to minister to other people, to encourage them uh, as God builds that maturity in us. And may God bless all of us, whatever trials we're facing at the moment, uh, that we might uh, progressively count them as joy. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that as long ago as uh, this was written, the James, the, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the man who'd grown up with Jesus as an older brother and who'd come to faith at some point uh, after the resurrection, this man who would lead the early church and be part of those experiencing the persecution and the many trials of living not just under Roman rule, but under hostile uh, Jewish authorities too, that he would be able to write these things and, and speak of the need for joy in trials. And thank you that there is a purpose in that. And we pray that you would change our approach. You would help us to look at what happens to us and to say, God is at work this is a reason for joy. That God's at work in me, maybe not changing those external circumstances right now, but helping me to live for him, trusting him through them. And I pray that as you do that to us, as we are able to change, that that move onwards to maturity would be something that through the pain, through the, the stress, you would bring us close to you and to be people who really are those who look like Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are currently struggling with the weight of your trials, if you're feeling overwhelmed to the point that counting it pure joy is beyond you, we do understand and we as a church want to stand with you and support you. Do ask someone at CBC for support. Your small group leader, a deacon or staff member will want to help.